everyone. Welcome to the daily podcast, the daily attorney podcast. I'm sorry, I'm your host, Marie Eve, Nadine Jean Baptiste. Um, I am the owner and CEO of the St. Eve Law Firm located in Towson, Maryland. Um, today, I'm really excited. We have Miss V. Ava Murray Esquire with us. Um, <laughs> she is, uh, like myself, um, a practicing attorney, but she is based out of um, New Jersey. So she's in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And um, Miss Murray graduated from Nova Southeastern University um, College of Law in 2017. During law school, she was a member of PULSE, which is the Health Law Student Society. And we have to talk about that because I think that that's very, very interesting. Um, during law school, she worked full-time with an insurance company, um, excuse me, with an insurance defense firm. She assisted different attorneys with many, many different various um, practice areas, including personal injury, product liability, workers' comp, and first-party property insurance defense. After passing the bar um, exam, she did start her career in Cherry Hill as an associate working for a medical malpractice division. Um, she defended nursing homes, medical professionals, and in July 2020, like a crazy person, she decided, let me open up my own law firm in the middle of a pandemic, okay? Um, that's insane, right? <laughs> that's insane. Um, I, I just have to kind of start with that, though. Okay. Let's start with that, right? <laughs> because I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what you what was going through your mind? Like, what did you think? You said, okay, the world has shut down. Ah, let me open up my own law firm. What no. happened? No, I'll tell you what I said. I said I was so unhappy and so utterly depressed with living my life in 0.06 increments. Because when you work for an insurance defense firm, you have to do billable hours. And you literally spend your entire day, even on the weekends, trying to come up with things to do on a file so you can meet your billable hour requirements for the week, for the month, for the year. And um, I'm of the... The idea, my idea about life is you live a life and you work to be happy, not to be miserable. I mean, I was miserable every day. Like I didn't want to wake up because I didn't want to go to work. You know, I would find every excuse in the book to to not go to work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like I was miserable. So I, I woke up one day and I said, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb because I want to be happy. And I'm going to see what will happen if I believe in myself and I jump on, you know, the actual opportunity, which is so crazy because, yes, the world was shut down, but I felt like it was um, an opportunity for me to grow. So I, I resigned in July, early July of 2020, and I took like two weeks off. I got, you know, got myself together, decided what practice area that I wanted to start in. And I did it. I did it. I saved up a couple of, you know, a couple of thousands of dollars before I did it though. But, you know, I, I did it. I wanted to be Well, happy. that's good. And kudos to you, I'm telling you, because unfortunately there are many attorneys who their doors actually closed yeah. during the pandemic. Um, and then there are other attorneys like myself who kind of just saw this huge boom, right? Because yeah. one of my former um, uh, areas of practice is family law. I'm no longer doing that anymore because like you, I'm not happy. 
yeah. right? I'm not happy when people are fighting. I'm not happy when someone is using their kid as a pawn to, to get something, right? I don't like stuff like that. Yeah, that um, when people are at, you meet people when they are at their worst. Literally, so yeah. Because so emotionally, and you know, we're both human and we've done this, right? Emotionally, you're not thinking, yeah. you know? So we're acting on emotions, right? And I, I've been very, very, you know, grateful and, and blessed to, to have the experiences that I have. But like you, you get to a point where you're like, am I really serving my clients the best if I am not my best self? Exactly. Right? You know, because you're, you're miserable and you're going to snap at clients over little things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. Right. So, you know, we talk about the, let's talk about the irony of that. You're meeting people at their worst and now you're kind of becoming your worst. Right? Exactly. Isn't and that it, ironic? And it, it is. And then it's like. You want to always give your best self. Right. Especially as an attorney, you want to wake up and say, okay, let me draft this motion, this complaint, this pleading, this whatever, and put my my best foot forward. And if you're unhappy, there's no way you can do that. No. It's impossible. You have, you have no energy. Mm -hmm. You literally have no energy to do it. You just, you know, you sit here and, you know, we, we joke about it in, in some of our Facebook groups. We know when we need a vacation, when you come into the office and you just stare at the work. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? I stare like out the just, window. <laughs> out the window. You're just, you're literally just sitting here like, oh, look at the pretty trees. It's like, oh, I have work to do, you know, but you, conceptually you are just so tired that you're looking for anything to get a break. You know, um, I listen to a lot of like personal development, motivational stuff and um, Mel Robbins. I don't, if you ever have some time, you know, look her up. She's awesome. Okay. Um, and she, you know, one of her speeches that changed my life was, um, how to get what you want. Right. And she goes on to talk about, you know, how, basically how we stand in our way, yada, yada, yada. But one of her speeches recently, she talked about, um, a motivation being garbage because you're never going to feel like it. Right. No one feels like waking up at 4 a.m. to go on that run. No one feels like, you know, eating that salad. Right. We just don't. <laughs> we just don't. Right. But at the end of the day, we have to tell ourselves, listen, in order to get X, Y and Z, we have to do ABC. Right. And that's why vision boards are so important. Yes. Like I literally put a picture of my old body on my vision board. Oh, wow. Like, this is why you, you, you're you going to the gym at 7 p.m. after work is because you want to look like this again. You know, there's well, um, well, maybe Facebook has that idea, too, because I don't know about you, but when I get on Facebook, it's like, remember this body you had six years ago? I'm like, no, just shut it down, Facebook. I don't want to see it, right? <laughs> Hey, I just, <laughs> my producer is backstage laughing. She is, she's dying right now. Um, but it's true, right? You, you just, you think to yourself, you're like, okay, I want to get to Z, but I know I have to kind of put one foot in front of the other and do X, Y, Z. And, and you like, you legitimately did it, you know, and you did it during a pandemic, but let's talk about the pandemic and how it was, it was a time of stillness for us. Right. And it's crazy. And, and please explain to me like what you were thinking when everything happened on March 15, 2020, 
but like everything stopped like phone stopped ringing emails stopped coming phone like everything and it, and it and, was and it was like so you know like i said i i resigned and then i took a couple weeks off so I'm thinking to myself, okay, so I have this amount of money saved up. It can last me for four and a half, five months tops, right? So if things don't work out in four and a half, five months, then I'll just apply for another associate position. And I was like, oh God, I hope that does not happen. So, you know, all the courts were scrambling because I started um, with criminal defense, right? So obviously they are, there are certain rights that a criminal defendant has that is constitutional and just because we're in a pandemic doesn't mean that you can just throw those rights underneath a carpet right so the scores the courts were scrambling trying to figure out the best way to make sure speedy trial rights aren't violated you know that um defendants who were recently incarcerated don't miss their um detention hearings or their first appearance um hearings so and i'm gonna say this when i tell people this they look at me like i'm crazy I was so thankful for the pandemic because going from doing a medical malpractice and insurance defense and also car, you know, I was also defending insurance company for car accidents and slip and falls. Going from that to criminal, being in a criminal court, it's, it's different. Mm -hmm. So I literally had to learn all over again, how to present myself in court. The decorum is so different. So thank God for the pandemic and Zoom. I was able to watch other attorneys whose case was in front of mine, how to present a motion, how to, you know, res respond properly to certain things. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I I I'm so grateful for the pandemic because, yes, everything was still, but it was a great opportunity for me to jump out and go out on my own. Um, so. Where was I leaving? Where was I going with that? <laughs> well, you definitely answered the question. We were talking about the stillness, right? Okay, but okay. you know, you're actually not the first and first person to tell me that they're um, you know, thankful that the pandemic happened because it allowed them to kind of see how they were just going, going, going and never taking the time, you know, time to kind of relax. And they were kind of headed for a cliff, wow. right? Yeah, I know a lot of people that were like, okay, I was headed for a cliff because I was burnt out, but I kept going anyway, yeah. which is never good, right? It, yeah, it just, it's never good. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I, I think, you know, being an attorney, we have that type A personality where it's like, oh no, no, I got to get it done. I got to get it done. And I, I, I'm the only person that can do it because I do it perfectly. It's like, yeah. You know, you can teach someone to do it the same way you do it, right? Um, and that's my biggest issue. Oh, oh gosh, yes, yes. I, I, I don't think I've met an attorney yet that said otherwise, right? So you're definitely in good company. But you know, when you talk about, um, you know, in your um, earlier part of the broadcast, you talked about billable hours. Um, you know, I get it. I don't like billable hours either because I feel like. Um, I don't like giving my clients that uncertainty, Yeah, you know? Um, but at the same time, I realize that there are cases where you just can't do flat fees. I tried flat fees in family law. I bombed terribly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's certain areas of, of law that obviously billable hours are fine, but yeah. it's, it's, it's completely different when you, cause 
insurance defense is technically corporate law, right? Because you, you, your client is an organization. It's an insurance company, a multi-billion-dollar insurance company. So you're you're answering to these uh, adjusters, but the client is the insurance company, right? So it's completely different as opposed to you doing family law and you're you know billing for what you've done and then your client pays you that's not how it is with insurance defense you bill and then the insurance adjust or whoever auditor in the insurance company looks at your invoice and goes no and like they're not paying your law firm for all the things that you billed for right and then it comes back on you you have to appeal it me as the attorney not the law firm me as I have to literally sit there and remember all the things I did three months ago and why the insurance company has to pay this bill, have to write up a reason. Like it was a nightmare, you know? And then, so if those hours were taken out, then I'm short my bill of hours for the month, for the year. And then it's like, you know, at the end of the year review, it's like, well, you didn't meet your billable hours. The most unreasonable billable hours, by the way. Um, and it was just horrible. Yeah, I I would not yeah. want to do that. I I've heard that. Um, I actually had a friend um, call me the other day. We were having a conversation. She actually works for Corporate America. She works for KPMG, oh. um, major corporate, yeah. right? And she's an attorney there. She's a tax attorney there, and it, she's miserable, you know. And I told her, I said, listen, I mean, this is your second major corporation. From what I understand, they're all the same. They are. So you can make the decision to stay or you can make the decision to go. But ultimately, the corporation structure, how it works and everything in it, it's not going to change. It's the same. You know, so I, I hear that a lot. And it's it's quite sad. But, you know, they're they're Goliaths. They're huge. Yeah. You know. Um, and the salary's nice. The salary's it is. Nice, but, but the way I live my life is like, I feel to me, money is not a top priority. Of course, I want to be a millionaire one day, but my top priority is my mental health and my happiness. So if I can have a, you know, a, a, a business where my mental health is intact and I'm happy and I make good money, then I'm happy. That's why I started my firm because I am very happy. Good, good, good. So let's talk about um, the law firm. So let's, let's, we, we totally segued off topic, but I'm okay with that. Um, so, you know, why did you decide to become an attorney in the first place? Like what led you there? I can tell you, this is a story. I was seven years old. I'll remember. Oh, gosh. Seven years old, and my dad used to always ask us occasionally, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're like seven. Now in, in retrospect, you're like, what the hell is he doing asking a seven year old what do you want to be? But my answer from I was seven was I want to be, I think I used to say a lawyer. I want to be mm. a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. And then as time went on, I realized, I was like, really? I really want to be a lawyer. Like in, in, in middle school and high school, like in middle school, I was in the gifted program. And there were programs that geared towards um, um, a, a, being an attorney. It was like mm -hmm. you be a part of the debate team and all that stuff. And then you go to middle school and there's the same thing, the gifted program, and you were able to to um, take classes that kind of helped you with, with um, you know, moving on to being an attorney. So I wanted to be a lawyer since I was seven. Why did I want to be a lawyer? Did you want to argue and fight? <laughs> so my, my little seven-year-old mind, I thought that I can help save the world. Yeah, that's, that's a good right, one. Right the wrongs, you know? Um, yeah. 
until you until you grow up and you realize that there's and a lot of lobbying. Yeah. That bubble gets popped and you're like, oh my goodness, like I can't even get through all the yellow the yellow tape, get to the red tape. You mm. know, it's like, yeah. So that's I've been I wanted to be a lord since I was seven. That was a long time. <laughs> that was a that that is a long Wow. But at, at least you knew what you wanted to do. Um, I, you know, um, I always uh, joke with my mom, who's most likely watching right now, but I did not take that very clear path. It was, you know, um, what did I do in high school? It was um, architectural drafting. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I have a background um, in that. Um, I actually did really, really well. Um, I have an endorsed high school diploma. So I actually have two high school diplomas. Yeah. So um, did that and then went to um, college. And I was like, okay, I'll do architecture. Why not? Um, yeah, that didn't work out. I, I mastered in partying. <laughs> That's what I mastered in. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and second year of college, it was like, okay, well, tired of partying in Brooklyn and let me go party in Rhode Island of all places, right? Um, and just did that and kind of just kept partying for a while and then came back home and I was like, huh, okay. Guess I'll take this seriously now. <laughs> you know, my parents were just like, wow, you know, you are a special kid, you know? So I, I, I always joke and I say, I took the scenic route through yeah through all that i am um and you know like you and, and like most attorneys you know we love learning right yeah. and we care about what we do and how we do it um so i know that you know during law school you were a member of pulse which is a health law society um excuse me health law student society so why did you decide that area of law in school so most of my immediate family, they're in the medical field. Um, oh. My dad has been a nurse since I can since I can remember seven years old. I remember dad putting on his white scrubs. Mm -hmm. um, my older sister is a nurse practitioner. She's been a nurse for, oh my God, like 19 years. Mm -hmm. um, my mom's in the nursing field. My, my aunts are in the nursing field. Like, you know, so um, growing up, I, I, I learned a lot about the medical field. My dad always had like these medical journals and, and, and books and stuff laying around. And so I, I learned a lot about uh, medicine and um, I love it. I always say, I wish I could go back and, you know, become a doctor. Doctor, yeah, yeah. Um, I love the medical field. So I figured why not do the two things I love, law and medicine. So that's why I decided to become a part of that, that program. Um, the unfortunate thing, I think I, I was like four credits shy of getting that little designation on my, my JD, because you were able to, once you completed all the pre, the records, the requisite courses, you were able to get like a little designation on your, your, your doctorate degree, but I was four credits shy, so it's kind of bummy, but I still used what I learned to, you know, get my first job being an insurance defense, med, you know, doing defending. MedMath, yeah. So. Mm -hmm. so with the, how much of your practice, I get, I, I guess, um, I wonder, um, intersects with, you know, you actually have to, you know, review 
um, like medical journals and things like that. Because I know that that's a very important part of, you know, um, health law. Yeah. So like I, when I told you before that I started out my own practice with criminal defense, I'm actually getting away from that now. Um, I'm now focused on personal injury and real estate. So, oh, okay. yeah. So you definitely pivoted a bit. I did. I went oh. back to what I love. You know, I, I, I love dealing with medical field and obviously personal in, injury. You have to review medical records and sometimes you have to help out the experts that you retain. Um, you know, and because you know a little bit about medicine, you can also, you know, give your clients your personal opinion of treatment. And obviously the caveat is always talk to your doctor, but based on my experience, X, Y, and Z, my, my experience and my knowledge, X, Y, and Z, but I always tell them to definitely talk to their doctor mm. about the advice that I've given them. So that's been very helpful. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so what kind of personal injury um, do you focus on? Car accidents, slip and fall. Um, I haven't started medical malpractice yet. Okay, that's a tough area. I was about to say that it's a very tough area. And then I would also definitely need staff because now I'm literally the definition of a solo practitioner. <laughs> I have no one else in my office. It's just me. So I figure once, you know, I get my first medical malpractice case, then I'll you know, hire staff too, because that's a difficult area. So when you're, when your clients call you, they're getting you. They call me, text me. It's me. Okay. You know? Okay. And that's also one of my selling points. People love that. They do. They do. They want to work with you, um, you know, but the key is also to hire and work with people that are just as friendly and as personable as you are, right? Um, you know, I, I have people that I work with. I am no longer a true solo um, and we all work well together. You know, we, we, we literally, you know, shoot the breeze, make jokes, act a fool. You know, no one is taking this super seriously because life is just too short. But when it's time to work, you know, we work and they get it done. They're always waiting on me because I'm, you know, putting out 14 fires. Um, so that's that's one thing. I actually have to find someone else to, to take some of this off my plate. One of the things that you will see, and I mean, you know, I know, you know, your firm is, is in your second year, but shortly after the second year was over, that's when it was just, it was like, okay, this is too much. I have to have someone. So yeah. you might want to start planning soon. I, I did. I did hire a paralegal, but she went to school. So then she left me. Um, okay. so I, I, and it was so crazy because I used to tell her like every day, oh my God, I can't believe I'm letting you do this. Because, <laughs> you know, I. You don't want to let it go. No, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to have you drop the motion. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to, you literally want to do everything. But I, I find that sometimes like we work fast when, you know, someone kind of starts and then we take over and we're just, you know, then the juices kind of flow. Um, so I guess my question is, uh, my next question for you is why do you do like what you do? Like, what do you have like a personal connection with, you know, personal injury? or health law. Um, I know you mentioned your family, um, you know, is connected to health, uh, to the healthcare field. So why do you do what you do? It's going to sound so cliche, but I really thoroughly enjoy helping people. I really do. Mm -hmm. And um, 
most of the cases I have right now, it's just like, oh my goodness, these people's lives are totally changed forever, you know, and I want to make sure that they are all compensated for the, um, for their injuries. And it's, and it's like, you know, especially if, if you don't do anything, right? So you're, you're a completely innocent party. You know, I, I want to help you. I want to make sure I get the compensation you deserve. Gosh, I sound like a salesperson. You but definitely that's, did. You but, sound like a commercial. <laughs> I'm just joking. You sound fine. No, you. It, <laughs> it's like honest truth. It's like, you know, you have someone who might not be able to play with their, their newborn child who uh, ever because they're, they've been so significantly injured. Like, you know, I want to make sure that I help them the best way I can to, to try to get them as whole as I can possibly get them. How often um, are you like in court at trial? I literally sometimes go to court every single day. Oh. Um, last week I was in court twice a day, every day. I was in court in the morning and I would get like a three hour break and then I'll in the in court like in the evening. I'm, I'm talking about 5 p.m. court. Yeah. And I'm just like, why is this my life? No, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're doing, uh, you know, criminal, um, at, criminal is just not one of those areas I can do. Emotionally, I can't. If I can't do family law, I definitely can't do criminal. It's tough. Yeah. My clients have seen me cry, like, you know, and, and I'm just like, oh, my God, it's so unprofessional. <laughs> I know. And and, and I'm, I'm a crier already. Like, I, I cry at the drop of a dime. Um, so it's just, I knew long time ago, it wasn't a good field for me. Um, so why are you deciding, um, excuse me, why did you decide to kind of pair, um, the PI with the criminal, which is actually really good pair, I think. Um, are you going to remove the criminal all the way or? Eventually I'm going to remove criminal all the way. And I'll tell you why. So when I first started my firm, I was actually more focused on post-conviction relief matters which as you can imagine is a lot of work. Why did I decide to do post-conviction relief? It's that seven-year-old me again. You know, I want to save the world. I want to right all the wrong. You know, um, it's a lot of work reviewing hundreds and hundreds of pages of transcripts, reviewing, you know, videos and um, recorded statements. It's a lot of work. Um, and, and it's just... Honestly, it, it became too much. Um, yeah, it, it's a huge area. It is. It yeah. is. And again, I'm a sole practitioner. So it's like I really was taking work home and working on the weekends and it just became too much. And then when I when I kind of like, you know, segued from doing post-conviction relief PCR work and I started taking on, you know, new cases, new criminal cases, um, I'm not going to say I don't enjoy it. I really love it. I think. I think I'm really good at my job. It's just just really like personal reasons why I decided to move away from it. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, a lot of work. I think, you know, if you had an associate or someone else that can kind of take it on, uh, it'd be a little less daunting on you because you seem like you take some of the cases personal, like I would, right? Because some of the cases that we get, even in family cases, you just... It's so difficult to remain impartial. It just is, right? Like you, Marie. So I think that's when I do my best job is when I take it personal. 
I, I'll give you an example. I, I had a case with a, a juvenile attempted murder in a slew of other charges, just like ridiculous, mm -hmm. superfluous like charges. And mm -hmm. the case was actually dismissed. And it was because I took that case personal why I found the evidence to exonerate my client. If I don't take it personal, then I don't think I would get the results that I get. So I love it. Oh gosh, I love that spin on it. You, you've given me a little bit of food for thought. Um, so what kind of impact um, do you hope to have on you know, your clients and your community? I would hope that when they think of me, when they're having Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, and they look, look back at the results I've achieved for them, they smile. Mm -hmm and they're thankful. That's it. I love that. It's why we do what we do, right? Is to get our clients from being in the worst parts of their lives to just being able to turn that page, yes. right? Because um, getting stuck, and sometimes in certain areas of law, you turn, you tend to get stuck in that one chapter mm -hmm. you know, for, for a good, what, year or two years of your life, yeah. you know? And I, I tell my clients, you know, and they'll call me like, Marie, I'm just so sick. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Air it out, right? But I'm trying to get you to that next chapter, right? Yep. And we can't get there if you hold on, you know, to the pain and the anger and the guilt and all that stuff. You've got to release it and let it go. You have to. And yeah. you have to think, instead of thinking with your emotions, you have to think logically, right? And rationally, like, is this the best decision? What is what I'm doing the best decision? Taking your emotions out of it. And I know it's hard for a lot of folks, but mm -hmm. you know, that's why they hire confident counsel so we can, you know, put their attention on the right thing. Yes, definitely. I do that, you know, with my I've had some pro bono cases that are definitely I do a lot of pro bono work and I've had some pro bono cases that have just been so memorable. Um and I hear you when you say, you know, some of your best work is with the emotions. Yeah. And I can think of all of the ones that are memorable. I've I've taken all of them personally. <laughs> you know, every single one. So I, I definitely get that. Um, does New Jersey have a pro bono requirement? I know Maryland doesn't. I actually am a part of two organizations where I do pro bono work. It's um, Lawyers for... I can never remember the name. It's Lawyers for justice i think okay um and then there's another one oh gosh can't remember the name but i try to do at least one or two pro bono cases every other month mm -hmm. um, but i haven't been getting any emails for pro bono cases recently i don't know why but I, that's I, actually that's a very healthy i think that's a very healthy balance yeah. um you know when i first started all i did was take pro bono cases because i you know it's no so one knew helpful. I existed. Right. It's so it's, for for that purpose, it's helpful, and also it helps you learn, right? Because I take pro bono cases. Um, I took a lot of criminal pro bono, criminal defense pro bono cases. Mm -hmm. It helps you learn. You know, you're you. They have resources for you to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So you're learning. You're you're you have kind of a mentor, and you're helping society. Mm -hmm. like, so a win-win-win situation. It, it definitely is. I still do pro bono. I'm actually um, a board member of the Hartford County Far Foundation. Um, you know, we operate out of Hartford County um, and Cecil County in the state of Maryland. 
and I work with uh, the Maryland Volunteer Lawyer Service. Um, so I do clinics uh, for uh, both organizations. I don't know if uh, New Jersey has expungement clinics. So that's kind of the, they do. Okay, that's the extent of the criminal stuff that I do. Um, I'm huge on second chances. I've been granted a million second chances in my life. And so um, the expungement work that we do is kind of my way to just give back and help other people. Cause I feel like, you know, especially with the whole mass incarceration situations that we've had for, you know, decades. Um, I feel like a lot of these individuals, you know, they just, they, they got a, a bad deal. And unfortunately yeah. they are where they are now, but our state is doing such a wonderful job in um, kind of helping these people move forward. And so my small, <laughs> small part um, in it is, you know, um, just doing the expungements. But with that said, um, Ava, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so, so very much. Um, I know you have to pick up your munchkin. My munchkin is at home. Um, we had a very colorful morning this morning, so he didn't go to school. He thought it was a good idea to cut his own hair with scissors. Oh, gosh. My is actually a, a, um, a senior in high school. Oh, so mine is 14. Not a munchkin anymore, but. I know. I call them munchkins, though. They're, you know what? You're right. They'll forever be our munchkins. They're but our babies. He prefers to be addressed as a young man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, mine mine was a young man when he was like nine. I, I tell everyone he's 14 going on 40. Um, but I know you have to go. And thank you so much. I know I kept you a little over time. But thank you again, um, everyone tuning in. Thank you again. My name is Marie E. Nadine G. Baptiste. You are now, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> Camille, I completely forgot. Um, <laughs> Ava, where can your clients get a hold of you? I do apologize. So like I said before, my clients can have access to my business phone. It's 09-605-2955. It's me that answers, me that responds to text messages. Or um, on my website, mariellwgrp.com. Or my Instagram, which is Murray. What is my Instagram? We got it up. I appreciate it. So those are, and I respond to DMs. I respond to emails. I respond to text messages. It's it's me. Okay. I'm sorry. See, these are the things that we we can't do. I'm I'm not good at this. She told me, she said, make sure you get all of the social media stuff. Um, and to let uh, everyone know that we have our social media, we are on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram, we are on Twitter. Um, I think we even have a Pinterest. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so if anybody wants to follow us, um, you know, please visit any one of those social media channels um, to follow both Ava and I. We have a lot of good things that we do for ourselves, our families and our communities. Ava, again, thank you so much for being here with me today. And um, thank you everyone for tuning in. I'm your host, Marie E. Thank you Bye. so much. Take care. Bye -bye.